Hey guys, what's up? That Scale RC show back with lucky number 13. That's right, week number 13. I'm your host, Adam Dean, alongside with Jeremy Kendall. And what do we got going on this week? Oh, um, I know that there's a lot of people counting down the minutes to Axial Fest and getting rigs ready. And then, yep. I don't know, we've got a new idea slash event going on up here that we can talk about. And we can talk about how bad 4.19s look on my JK that I just switched them out <laughs> on. It just... It just, it doesn't look right. So, okay, so you know the camo rigid one? Mm-hmm. So I took the, um, alter, or the KM3s off of it, and I put those on the 1.9 Wraith, because mm-hmm. I just, I like how that tire looks. And so I had sold my Class 1, so I've got the 4.19 KM3s, and I thought, well, you know what, I'll throw them on, like, my OG SCX JK. And so I threw them on there and that's the one that's got like the night customs fenders and stuff and i just i don't know i'll have to post up a picture or something and get some opinions from people but it looks kind of smallish in a way i don't know i i guess it's probably a little more scale than it was the other way but it just still kind of i don't know there's something about it that doesn't look right to me but got that and then got a bunch of brass in today to make links for the one nine wraith and i don't know it's about it on my end what about you Oh, I've been like dabbling in a bunch of projects lately. Um, Michelle was out of town last week, so I was able to, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, what am I going to do? Um, I don't know. Let's play some of the RC cars. So, I, I mean, I got quite a bit done. Um, started stickering up or getting the mask ready for my monster truck. So I'm redoing the body on that. Um, I got the mud truck the mega mud truck which would be my other monster truck i just put the 1.9 um proline tsl boggers on it and that's not to be confused when i say 1.9 those aren't little tires those are like five inch almost five and a quarter tall they're big so, big big so but i mean when i think of a mud truck and mud bogging and all that stuff i always think of uh, boggers. So when I said I'm going to build a you know mud truck, I'm putting boggers on it. So um, so yes. But anyways, so I got that mocked up. So those two are mocked up, pretty much ready for paint. Um, I got the axles swapped out on my tow truck. So I swap. Uh, those were originally the Gen One, just standard SCX axles with the round pumpkin on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now they're the SSD. Uh, 60s so they actually look like an axle and um, just get that thing a little more scale because I think I'm because that was that's one rig that I got ready for axial fest because I'm going to bring that one I'm also bringing the black JK which is pretty much ready to roll Um, doesn't really need anything else I might make a sunshade for it Um, I think that'll be pretty cool I got some material that I got at Joann's to do that (sighs) what else that's really about it. What um, what's gonna be like your go-to rig when you're at Axial Fest? Uh, this year I probably honestly my go-to will probably most likely be the Black JK. I'm still up in the air. I'll probably have the the One Nine Wraith with me just because it's stock. And to me, it's always nice to have a stock rig that you could just be like, all right, you know, it doesn't have any crazy motor to it there's nothing really crazy about it so you know it's it's reliable yeah so um 
yeah, because the JK, I do have to sit down. That's one thing I need to do with that rig is um, adjust the ESC. Uh, I was recently watching a video from John Holmes with Holmes Hobbies, and he was talking about setting up brushless ESCs, and he was showing how he does like this certain tur uh, torque curve. And I think that's the problem I'm having because I have mine geared way down, and the thing's just there's really no slow crawlability with it. Right. Um, and at first, I really was thinking a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was like, oh, I'm going to run a 3200 kV because I had to listen to, you know, Todd. And Mr. Todd Norton is Mr. Like Horsepower. So he just <laughs> likes everything going fast. So I should have went 27, but. I was like, oh, if I gear down, maybe that'll help. But I've like almost at the lowest gear I can do, um, and it's still kind of, you know, just hauls butt. So that's uh, actually probably exactly what's going on with that because that was one of the things I had with the thirty-one hundred kV brushless system that's in my uh, the gray Curry Jeep. Is the <laughs> thing was just way radical off the bottom end. Like it was just kind of like there was no nice smooth engagement it was just like wham all of a sudden you had power you know and so i was like man you know i was messing with neutral widths and all kinds of stuff and then uh, i was messaging ty at teakin one day and he just said no he said try changing the uh thr the throttle profile on it change it to concaved and as soon as i did that dude it slow crawls so nice now that that yeah. totally took care of it yeah, see, I think, and I think that's what I need to do because uh, when I was setting up all the stuff in that um, on the uh, on the Castle Creations um, software, if you look at my line was like it was an exactly a diagonal, and if you look at the one that he showed a picture of on the video, it was like a curve, mm -hmm. so it actually like you know ramped up. So I was like, yeah, I need to mess with mine. Yeah. So, because it's it's just yeah, it's just too much. That'll that'll so. probably be exactly what it needed. So yeah, so I'm hoping that fixes that. Because um, yeah, I mean, those are really just I, like I said. I think I'm just bringing those three rigs. Oh, and of course the um, the Yeti Junior, which that was one other thing I didn't get. To, I don't think I talked about last week. I successfully dyed the red plastic black. Oh, good. It did work then. Oh, it worked amazingly. Right I was on. really shocked. Um, I actually, I think, where were we at? Me and Michelle were at Michael's, and I happened to be walking down one aisle, and they had the black writ dye in the powder form. Because I don't know what it is with the with the black writ dye, or if it's just like, you know, a California thing, because, you know, everything in California now is Prop 65 and gives you cancer. Yeah. So, I don't I don't know if that's what it is, but you cannot find black writ dye in powder form anywhere. Weird. I was I've gone to Safeway, Lucky's, um, Rite Aid, Walgreens. I've been to like every single kind of store you can think of, and they have green, they have blue, they have red, they don't have black. I'm going. You got to be kidding me! And I happened to walk down, and I said, "Oh, they have it." So now I know where to buy it at. Nice. Wonder if so, you can, if you run into that, if Amazon or somebody would have it too. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure they would. That's actually um, where I got my brass rod from was Amazon, just because I knew I wasn't going to be able to run errands anytime soon. So I was like, you know, let's just do it this way. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, Amazon's good for that. Like, when you're, like, always on the fly and you can't always, you know, stop at the store, um, Amazon's a good place to, you know, pick stuff up. So there's there's always a good Amazon find somewhere. Um, $3.56. For how, how long of a piece? Uh, no, no, this is writ. Oh, right. The die, yeah. Um, um, the um, one and an eighth ounces for is that the and, and that's the powder, right? The little yeah, box. Yeah, three dollars okay. and fifty six cents. Uh, I, I probably paid a little bit more with my luck, but well, once you throw um, tax on it and everything else, but that's cool. It's a prime item. I I put a note on that on our website with the Yeti graphics and stuff, saying that you know that way people, if they saw it, they would, you know, go. Well, I'd like to get you know change it to cyan or some other color like that so but i don't want to because of the cage so i I just put in the notes on all the giddy junior stuff that you can fabric dye it to turn it black but that's good actually confirmation i know it works with most nylon based plastics but i wasn't sure about that stuff well see i was a little nervous because the first time i ever dyed plastic parts was with my um was with my monster truck i had the proline destroyer wheels and they're gray mm. and i was like mm-hmm. i don't want gray wheels i want black wheels so i tried to dye them they, it didn't work it turned that gray like a purple i oh, was like wow. I, I was so mad but then again it could have been user error because i was a little nervous about dying the parts to be honest like because i've never done it before so i know in the in the directions it says get the water super hot just to about to boil stir up the ingredients and then simmer the water and throw your parts in there and let it soak well i did that but i might have let the water get a little too cold before i put the stuff in because i was afraid you know because plastic melts right you so don't I was want it to warp like, or anything yeah exactly so i was a little nervous so i was like eh, so maybe i didn't do it right for that um, and plus, those are bigger parts, so it required more, you know, water. So maybe I needed a two packs instead of one pack. Um, so that could also, you know, attributed to the monster truck wheels being a failure. Um, but these parts, they're so small and so tiny that I literally took like a, a normal pot you would make like pasta in mm-hmm. and threw it on the oven or on the stove. Uh, threw water in there and then the other thing I did too was um, I added so I put a cup of water and I put a cup of vinegar um, just because I know like you know back when you used to dye Easter eggs and stuff they Mm -hmm. always said vinegar because it makes the color pop more yeah Um, so I did that so kind of you know stunk but uh, but I mixed it all up, and then the water almost boiled. Then I turned it down to simmer, and I threw the parts in there. And then every, like, two to three minutes, I just stir it for about, I want to say, like, 15 minutes. I want to say I did that. And then I took it off the heat completely and just let it sit in the pot till the water cooled down enough to where I put rubber gloves on and was able to pull the parts out. And I was blown away when I pulled the the first part out, and it was like jet black. I was like, "Awesome!" I was like, "It looks just like the stock axial plastic." I was like, "I was, I was pumped. I couldn't believe that they came out that good." I wish I would have done that instead of painting the cage online. I'll have to order a new cage and do that. Well, I did paint 
the upper roll cage is white. Mm, I painted mm -hmm. that white, so there's a chance that will scratch and I used, you know fall apart. I used Bulldog on it, which is a adhesion promoter for like urethane bumpers and stuff for like automotive mm -hmm. painting. I used that, and usually it does a pretty good job, but it still scratched pretty good. So I've just been cheating and touching it up with a sharpie. Yeah, and see, I. I'll probably have the same thing. What I did was I lightly scuffed it up with the Scotch Bright pad, um, or whatever you call it, those red mm -hmm. scuff pads, and then I hit it with two light coats of self-etching primer, and then two medium coats of white, and just let it sit. Oh, nice. So, but yeah, so um, no, I'm super happy with it. And then while it was all apart, I installed all the um, the brass, or I think they're brass or the aluminum upgrades that I got for the Yeti Junior, like the steering mm -hmm. uh, turnbuckles and all that stuff, the um, the steering knuckles, and what else did I get that was brass, or aluminum? I think it was just knuckles, C's, and steering was all I did. I need to get, like, the... Um, oh, what's the... I, I want to get the rear drive shaft... But mm -hmm. I think if you do that, it makes sense to get both rear axle drive shafts as well, just because I, I don't know how much you've like played around with it on the bench or watched it crawling, but the plastic, like any of the plastic parts in there, like you could replace a drive shaft and this thing's still, still going to do it, but the plastic shafts almost spring load the thing when you're trying to crawl with it and stuff like you'll be applying power and they'll kind of like sit there and twist and build up and build up and then all of a sudden they'll kind of like lurch forward when they sort of like release that tension oh yeah so i i was looking at that going well you know what do i want to get i i think that'll probably be the first thing i do and then after that i'd like to do all the steering stuff too but yeah i only did the steering because i said with my luck i'll be like trying to like race with the thing and like smash it in a rock and break the <laughs> steering because that's that's usually my luck because you know a quick story of my first time ever trying to go fast with an rc car was with a two-wheel drive slash and we had it in the driveway and tony's like yeah let's let's try it out let's see how it is i mean the first time that thing i had it turned around I was one driving backwards so now the car is headed to me and I turned it the <laughs> wrong way going like really fast and it just bam right into the fence and yeah so with my luck that that would be my track record so that's why I, <laughs> that's why I started with steering and I'll worry about everything else later yeah no probably not a bad idea I'm kind but of I do get mine out soon I, I miss that thing now I want to go drive it <laughs> Well, the one thing I'd also like to do too, um, and it kind of sucks because, I mean, I haven't done a whole lot of searching for it, but there really isn't a lot of electronic selection for the Yeti. Like, if you want to upgrade, yeah, the, the Yeti Junior, the motor, you're pretty much out of luck on that. Because I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know if like a main carries it. I've seen the motors on eBay before. Um, mm -hmm. I know the ESC though. Like I, I swapped mine out with that Tekken BXR, and then uh, you know used a regular receiver and stuff. But you've got the whole like integrated setup with yours, so that's kind of tricky. Yeah, see, that's the other hard part because with the with like mine, it's an integrated thing, which isn't the end of the world because I run Spectrum anyways, so I already have 
spectrum receivers, so I can throw a receiver in there no problem. Um, I just haven't made up my mind like really what I want to do because I'd really like to be able to get it off nickel metal hydrate and go to lipo. Yeah, but for sure. Mine, mine doesn't, or the 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 newer uh, Yeti Junior, the Can-Am version, does not um, accept out of the box lipo. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. So I was like, hmm. So I think I want to say like I think Dynamite does make a small brushless setup that will fit in there according to Chino. But I don't know if I really want brushless in something that small because I don't need the thing to be a top. I just yeah. would like <laughs> – I would just like to have the thing have a little, you know, I guess – I don't know. Little, the, the little get up and go. To, a little get up and go, and the option to go lipo is really what I'm after. I'm not looking to like turn the thing into like a land rocket and just, you know. Yeah. No. Exactly. So, um, the other thing though, now after you know doing the whole thing and locking the rear end of my axle, uh, the one thing I wish I kind of did was the uh, rear axle, inner axle shafts because they are plastic yeah. in there. So if I would have known that, I would also order those, but it is what it is. Yeah. That thing needs to get some love here for too long. So I'll probably, like I so said, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'm probably going to have that, the black JK, the tow truck, and possibly the Wraith 1.9. I think that so. the Wraith would be a fun one. Plus, it's always cool to, like, drive something that's stock and then be blown away by what, what all the thing can do, too. Oh, yeah. So, and I've been going back and forth. Part of me says, do I order new tires or wheels for it, or just take the ones off the deadbolt? Because my deadbolt's been sitting, and it's got wheels and tires, but I've just haven't made up my mind. Because I, because I have another set of aluminum wheels that just need beadlocks and tires, and then I have a set that's already completely together. But like I said, I haven't made up my mind. I don't know. That's a tricky one. So, and it really, and the funny thing too is if I wrap it to the, you know, secret top secret setup that we're working on. Mm-hmm the color scheme will match with the wheels and tires that I have on the deadbolt. Oh, okay. I was thinking about that when you were talking about it. I was like, I wonder what he's going to do that's going to match all that. Mm-hmm. So, cool. I don't know. Food for thought. Yeah. I'm excited to get the links made, but not like I'm excited to make them. I'm just excited to have them be done and put it on and see how it does. So, yeah. That'll be interesting. No, I really like that rig. In fact, I, the more I've been thinking about it, because I, I went out on Father's Day, remember I told you with Travis and stuff, mm-hmm. and we just kind of took, like, I think we took, like, four or five rigs and just kind of each drove them, like, just sort of took turns and kind of just talked about them. And so it was just fun, you know, just messing around. But both of us really like the 1-9 Wraith, and one of the things I keep thinking about, because I'm kind of, like, class two truckless at the moment right now, well, actually, class one also. I, I don't have anything going for that either. But uh, 
I was thinking uh, Deadlock Racing makes chassis rails for this that bolts onto the cage and everything. And so I was like, dude, that would be the hot setup because then it can be my class two rig and it's not going to weigh anything. Except, you know, except down low where I'm putting all the weight and stuff. But as far as like being top heavy and everything, the thing ought to perform really good. So I'm kind of excited to try that. Oh, nice. And I tell you what, since that Associated Trans is available with Overdrive, that is probably going to be purchased to go inside that thing, too. Because Overdrive is the bee's knees, man. Like, I miss not having that with the with the SCX-10-2s. Yeah, um, unless, I'm trying to think, I think you can get hot racing gear sets that are a different tooth count. Yeah, but I c- it, it scares me, though, like, okay, so... I, I encountered this when I was racing U4. Um, we had done overdrive on the front and then um, stock rears. And it mm-hmm. kept just destroying the front gears on the thing. You know, like this was on the Bomber and the Yeti both. So it just kept eating gears like left and right. And so finally I talked to Michael Pham one day. I was like, dude, how do you put power to these things? and have the gear sets last in them like it, it's just it's not working and uh he and it was total like it made sense as soon as he said it and i felt super stupid but with overdrive you have a smaller diameter ring gear and so you don't have that surface contact between the ring and pinion like you do um stock or underdrive so he was saying he was doing like during the rig tall and doing underdrive front and rear or just stock front and rear because if you underdrive it you've got a much larger ring gear and so you've got more surface area for the pinion to make contact and it's not going to strip gears as bad so that that keeping that in mind that's what has steered me away from doing the hot racing overdrive up front because of the fact that ar-44 gears are pretty small to begin with and i was kind of thinking that would you know possibly be prone to getting stripped out so i never i never did try one yeah, I haven't tried one either. Um, I've always had pretty good luck with, with my 10-2s, um, kind of like working really well. Mm-hmm. So it's it was one of those things I never really, you know, said, hey, you know, right, uh, right. this thing crawls like crap. I need to throw, you know, overdrives in it. Yeah, you know, exactly. It just, so, but I can I can understand it. Well, uh, it would and it'd make help. it like that much better. And then plus it would make the turning radius just ridiculous then on them. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know, something fun to play around with. I need to, at some point, get on a main site and look and see uh, when they're going to have replacement parts available for that thing and see what it run to get a tranny for it. There you go. Because that would be um, the business. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's really about it as far as getting rigs ready. It's actually really funny. It's I don't know if it's because I've been getting busier and busier with, like, work and everything or if it's the fact that I'm I don't know I every year I've always had like some big project that I need to get done before Axial Fest um you know so like you're just you're like oh I gotta get this done oh I gotta get this rig all wrapped up or you have a debut that you want to do and I this year I mean yeah there's a rig I would have liked to have done but I still don't and that would be my motor forward um hard body JK yeah but I have plenty of other scale rigs that are ready to roll, so it's like I don't really need to have that by then. Yeah, no, that's true. I 
You know, it's funny, and I kind of regret this now, but really, there, I've only driven one rig at Axial Pest, and that's my original JK that I've had since, like, the beginning. That's the mm -hmm. only thing I've driven each time I've been there. Like, wow. I, I mean, it probably would have been fun to have, like, taken the Bomber or some of the other rigs, but I just, I, I don't know. That thing's always been my go-to and, like, my favorite one. And I, I had this idea that I was like, you know, I want to see how many, like, Axial Fests I can rack up on this thing before it, you know, is just completely falling apart and needs, like, a ton of love, you know. And so I was going to kind of, you know, have that be something to be proud of. Like, yeah, this thing's been through, you know, three or four Axial Fests or whatever, so. But... Yeah, no, no, that'd be it's a cool feat in itself. Yeah, no, that'd be a cool feat in itself. Um, I think every single rig that I own, minus the new Wraith 1.9, obviously because I got it so recent, and the Yeti Junior, I think the, out of all my rigs, those two are the only ones that have not been to an Axial Fest. Wow. Got so <laughs> that first year that we went we actually had to like leave rigs at home like we didn't take our yeti and we didn't take the bomber either just like we literally had like no room for anything more than what we already had i mean we had stuff between our legs it was all piled up to the roof i mean we had so much stuff crammed in there so well it was funny because i'm trying to because like our, my the first axial fest i ever went to um I think then I only had like three or f I might have only had like three rigs at that point. So it was super simple to take everything. Mm -hmm. And um, but even though I had a Tony and Kyle with me, uh, we still only had to bring like six rigs. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were trying to like pack all the stuff. So I remember my first year, I actually had the camper shell on my Chevy. And I actually have that thing set up pretty pimp, but I took it off just because for off-roading, it really wasn't practical. Yeah. Um, you know, because camper shells off-road really are not practical if you're going to be doing a lot of, like, twisting and turning because your the bed of the truck will, you know, twist and turn, too. So with the fiberglass, it'll twist and turn, and it could pop the plexiglass and all that stuff. So yeah, Or crack the – or news. crack it. So, so I just – you know, I said, okay, I'm going to take it off. But anyways, when I had it on there, I actually took one-by-six planks – and wrapped each one with indoor outdoor carpet and actually laid them on the sill so i actually have like a double decker loading area like i'd load all the heavy stuff underneath on the bed and i put all the light stuff up there and we had that truck packed to the gills between our sleeping bags <laughs> um you know all the rigs food everything i mean it was it was hilarious and uh, those years we rented an RV so as soon as we got up to Elio's we'd unload all the stuff out of my truck go get the RV load everything into the RV and that gave us way more room because now you're driving like a big bus yeah. for the rest of the ride so you're like oh okay so you can you know spread everything out um, it wasn't until I want to say the Axial Fest that you went to your first one was that 2016 uh -huh. that one by then, I was dabbling in like seven or eight cars. Oh, geez. So, so bringing them all was like unrealistic. I mean, I brought them all, but it made no sense because I think I only ran like two of them. Yeah. You know, like I, <laughs> I had like seven or eight cars with me, but I only ran two of them. Well, we but had, it was kind of like one of those. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. It was just kind of one of those things, you know, you wanted to 
bring them all to kind of showcase and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a- I think it was after that year. That's when I was like, I'm done bringing all my rigs. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's a lot to clean and keep track of. And... It's that too, and it's like and and, and to get it home because I know especially like last year. Um, it started out with like I said, oh, I'm only gonna bring like two cars, and then I ended up bringing like five. <laughs> um, so, and it's like I really, honestly, didn't need to bring them all. I brought my monster truck, even though I, even though me and Elio were putting on that monster truck show, so we didn't really have time to run ours. But I brought it just in case. Um, I didn't bring my bomber, didn't bring the tow truck. I brought my wraith just in case I, you know, wanted that you know 2.2 to just mob over a trail Mm -hmm. and uh what else i brought the deadbolt just because i wanted to bring the deadbolt because it was bone stock i actually installed your graphics in jason's camper with a hair dryer at axio fest (laughs) so um i just wanted to bring a stock rig and just hit the trails and see what what it would be like to just hit the trails with a bone stock rig with nothing done to it yeah so that was that was uh, another rig that I ran, and then what else did I have with me then? Oh, I had the Cherokee, um, the black and white Cherokee, and I think that was it. Yeah, I don't think I brought anything else besides that. So I really think it was just those rigs, and um, I really. I really drove the deadbolt more than anything else, only due to the fact that my um, uh, the Cherokee that radio the spring broke in it again for the steering, so it was obnoxious. Oh, that would be. So it's happened to me twice on that radio. So I finally gave up and bought a new radio because I was tired of fixing it. (laughs) So apparently. The Spectrum DX3E is prone to steering wheel spring snapping. I man, it's been so long since I've heard of people having problems with breaking springs on radios like that. Yeah, no, that one supposedly that one's like the notorious one that's huh. you know I because um, it happened at oh and this this is when you think you're being smart. And that's why I hate doing this. So I only have two radios other than some of the cars that have the stock radios on them. But I only have two radios for like eight cars or nine cars. The other ones all have their own because they're basically ready to runs or they still have the ready to run remote on it. Right. And like we went to, for instance, we went to Rubicon in 2017. I think that, yeah, I think that was the last year I was at Rubicon. Um, and this the same thing happened the spring broke well of course because the two rigs i brought because i'm trying to be smart hey what rigs are on this remote oh the chevy and the cherokee i'm gonna bring both those rigs well i ended up having to run that whole weekend with a busted spring which is beyond obnoxious because it doesn't self-center so you have to (laughs) so you have to over like you have to correct it it's just like it's almost like driving a real car now because you're like all right i gotta bring it back this way okay no i gotta bring it back that yeah that wasn't fun i've seen guys try and race with that happening and it just forget it you know like with a crawler where you can like actually see the wheels at least you can somewhat salvage the rest of your day but 
man. Yeah, it's it's still no fun. So I so I remember getting back home from that, and I tore the remote apart, saw where it was broken, and one of the fixes online was they said to take the spring, stretch it a little bit, put another uh, curl the end again, and hook it back together, and you're good to go. So I said, okay, fine, I'll do that. Cool. So I did that, ran it like that for I don't know how long, and then it snapped again. And it snapped when I was out on trail on the Vanquish Trail last year, halfway through. And I was like, all right, that means anything that's on this remote, I'm not driving for the rest of the weekend because I'm not dealing with it. So, yeah, that was fun. But anyways, <laughs> so um, I decided to uh, to upgrade that remote to the DX5C which was a little frustrating because I bought the DX5C and two months later they released the DX5 Rugged oh, and God. I was like the the Rugged's cool don't get me wrong but after definitely after holding a Rugged in my hand versus what I have I am happier to an extent that I have the 5C and it really only comes down to the pad in the back. The DX5 Rugged has that thumb pad, almost similar to like your home button on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. So you have to like, so like you have to like scroll your thumb up it, and if you don't like, if it doesn't recognize your heat sensor like on your finger, like it won't move. So you have to have it like just right. So it's a little annoying. Whereas the DX5C has um, actually has a scroll button. So you can actually like roll it, um, and then the only other thing that kind of bugs me is with the rugged they gave you a point to put your lanyard, and on all the other ones you don't. So you usually have to get creative. Yeah, see that's something that I would like to see more on different radios too. Like if you're like an air guy, like they have all kinds of different lanyard mounts and different lanyards that you can use and stuff. But that's like one thing that I'm like not stoked on is the fact that like you know you can very carefully drill a hole through the handle of yours you know like the, or through the grip i mean so like on my fly sky i i drilled a very very small hole in it so that i could put like a key ring through it but there's like you know like like you had said before with like the zip tie thing like that was kind of really the only way to fasten a lanyard onto it like it'd be cool if somebody came out with a spacer kit maybe and like a little laser cut tab so that you yank one of the housing screws out and then put you know a screw through the tab and then put it back in you'd have to have you know some spacers inside that hole that's in the housing so that you don't like crush the you know you don't crush the little laser Mm -hmm. laser cut tab but i mean if if you had like a little kit like that with these laser cut tabs that you clip a lanyard to that would be a great product for somebody to come out with like that would be way cool well the other thing that i did recently um for my remotes uh just because you know i wanted something that maybe looked a little bit better than just a zip tie was actually i took some leftover paracord i had out of my little you know like to go bag kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i actually just um made kind of like a slip knot that goes around it uh, with a loop on it so you can now clip to that loop and you have that you know um the paracord 
attached to the base of your remote. Oh, nice. So and it and it's and it's like a slip knot, so it pulls nice and tight. Um, and really, the only way to get it off is if you cut it off. But I, it didn't bother me because I said, now I have something to hook up, you know, any kind of a um, lanyard system to. And speaking of lanyard systems, I actually had just recently purchased something that will actually, I think, benefit you like when you're on the trail in more than one way. So I uh, saw a product at Crawl Free Cure last year, and it was a paracord woven um, lanyard. And I thought it was really neat because you've always seen people do that woven lanyard for like a belt or like a wristband and they call it a survivalist wristband mm -hmm. um but they did that same style braid for the lanyard for your remote which you know kind of goes hand in hand with your with the video that you put up mm -hmm. um it, which by the way real quickly if anybody hasn't seen it yet it's on our YouTube channel. Um, Jay goes over like what you carry in your backpack or what he carries in his backpack to hit the trail. Um, and I thought it was pretty cool because it's almost like bug out bag means mm -hmm. trail backpack. So um, this kind of goes hand in hand with that. Realistically, if you use this paracord um, lanyard, if you're in a situation, you know, where you know stuff hits the fan you could actually unravel this and you'll have with my guess with how big the lanyard is you'd probably have 20 to 25 feet of paracord oh that's perfect for trying to make like a temporary shelter or something yeah or if you have to tie something together yeah. uh you know whatever it may be you know the sky's the limit um and i thought it was you know i thought it was pretty cool um Let's see. Let me pull it up real quick because um, I have a picture of his business card. And uh, so basically it's uh, TT Tangibles is his company. Um, he has a website and his name's Stephen Mullen um, and he's out of Colorado. And it's pretty cool. Uh, it's a very reasonable priced product. Uh, it was 25 bucks. Uh, for the lanyard and he actually makes them to your um, I guess t tailored to you like what he asked me to do was kind of measure from the back of my neck down to where I would like my controller to hang on mm -hmm. my body and take that measurement and give it to him and he makes the lanyard to that length so by the time you go from the you know the tip of where it's that's on your neck down to the claw that he puts on there or the clasp that hooks onto your remote that's you know the same measurement that you gave him so like if you're a taller person let's say you're closer to like six five and you'd like the your your um, remote to kind of hang around your belly button you're probably gonna be closer to like a 23 24 inch long you know lanyard where most stock lanyards that you get from like you know these places like even the ones they give you in the the bag at axial fest from like rpp or a main or whatever mm -hmm. or the rc4 wheel drive one they all are like a standard 18 inches so you can actually get this one tailored to a size that's comfortable to you so that way when you let go of your remote it's kind of where you would like it to be um and he actually will make it in almost any color that he has uh, and he has a plethora of colors. I could not believe 
the list that he sent me. He had <laughs> to, he had to have at least a hundred different colors, and I was blown away. Um, but I just went with two tone, went military khaki and black because I'm a big fan of like the military colors. I don't know why it's like my go to with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, twenty five bucks, and it's really well made. It's got a it's got a breakaway. Um, or I don't know if that's what you call it. It's got like a seatbelt clip kind of thing, like almost like a backpack nylon clip in this in the center, right above the um, actual clip that you use to clip to your remote. So if you want to just unsnap it because you had to look at something or whatever, um, and it's got a standard metal. It's almost like a black chrome uh, oh, metal wow. uh, crab claw. So that's cool. it's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, and it's super comfortable because you know most lanyards are like three quarters of an inch thick, I guess you can say, or wide, and they're narrow, so you know they can kind of be abrasive and you know uncomfortable. This is you know with the double braid that he does, because the part that goes around your neck, he throws this other outer braid over the braid that he does, so it actually like fattens it up, so you're getting like closer to like an inch. Um, and it's like all kind of like padded it's super comfortable so um i will definitely have to get a get the information up on our facebook and social media so that way if you guys are interested you can get a hold of steven and let him know that the scale rc show sent you rad that's way cool that's a great idea i think that'll be nice so you should still do a backpack video i think yeah, I, I think I could do that. I might Just because we're both different, you know? Like, I mean, you, you're going to have different stuff in yours and everything. And, you know, you may have a completely different type of pack that you like using and stuff. I don't know. I just thought it would be cool to, like, each of us do it. That way we've got, like, our take on, you know, the same thing with two different methods, you know? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is mine's probably not going to be... I'll be honest, my backpack's probably not set up nearly as intense as yours. Um, <laughs> mine's a little not, ridiculous. And it's no, and it's not to, it's no, it's not, to, and I didn't say that or, you know, to, or to bring it up to be like, you know, like, oh my God, you're like over paranoid and you're bringing all this stuff. It's not, it's not, it's not to say that. It's just, it's just, I mean, I guess like, it's like you said, everybody carries something different to the trail and, you know, it's, you know, and, and everybody's going to be different. So, uh, I would have to say my backpack is almost kind of like tailored to, kind of like what i do on the trail kind of thing is Mm -hmm. really what mine's tailored to like um i mean i'll just i'll just wait to show everybody in the video so that way they can kind of see what you know how mine's set up um but it's very similar uh the other question i was going to have for you is about that um because i don't think you said it on the video um and i don't know if anybody out there is looking for you know a backpack like that what backpack did you do you have or do you run i saved the tag off of that thing and put it on my um, let me, you know what, I, I'd say let me post it up later, but I'll probably forget, so I'm just going to very quickly here set you down and go look. Okay. We need to play, like, the Jeopardy song. Okay, and I'm back. It is Field Line Tactical. Oh, okay. Uh, did you get that? I think that's like a big five backpack. I, you know, I have no idea. I bought it on online. I want to say it oh, was okay. one of my very first Amazon purchases. 
Um, yeah, Field Line Tactical. They're based out of Los Angeles. Yeah, I'll have to look it up and see. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I really uh, like that one. Yeah, no, I was just curious because it, it's nice. Um, it's It looks like it's really well organized and well like thought out when you know it was put together. Um, my backpack's a little bit more on the expensive side, but it was more because I wanted certain features that it had, so that's why I went that route. Right. Um, I have a 5.11 tactical. Uh, it's I think it's the Rush 24. Fancy. I think. Yeah, or the Rush 12. I don't know what it is. I think it's a, I think it's 20. I think they have a Rush 24, then a Rush 72. Uh, how much was how much was that one? Uh, about a hundred bucks. God damn. I want to say this one was maybe forty at the most. Yeah. Something See, like that. See, like I like I said, I only went that route because there's a there's a way that the back the backpack's constructed, and I haven't seen any other backpack with a construction like this. So that's I bought it for one reason. So, um, and I'll point that out in the video as well. So, trying to build a little suspense. Maybe we'll get people to watch it. This is the first time I've actually looked at these guys' uh, website before. They have a lot of cool stuff. I didn't know they were like an actual like name brand. I figured. Oh yeah, it was no just... Fieldline. No Fieldline's a name brand. That's why I said. Oh I think okay. I've seen it. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, Alpha Ops Day Pack. I think that's the one I've got. Thirty-one dollars and eighteen cents. Yep. They See, have a big like giant one, but it, oh, that's the same price too, though. Interesting. Yeah, honestly, my other, my original RC backpack was, I believe, a Condor Tactical. I'm not sure what they called that one, but it was a Condor Tactical, and it was uh, the Desert Khaki. Um, the reason why I got rid of it was because when I was getting these organ, this org. Um, organizing tray i was looking for a backpack that would house it perfectly oh, and like yeah. i said this this has a special compartment that literally it works perfectly um so that's why i got it and it actually was like killing two birds with one stone uh michelle's dad was looking for a backpack because he was still you know kicking it old school he had the fanny pack and and he finally was over the fanny pack so because he started having to carry so much stuff putting he would put like an extra battery tools parts oh that'd um, get miserable quick <laughs> water next thing you know and he doesn't wear it like you know on his waist he wore it like on his back so it would like slide down and oh, yeah he God. got yeah so he got so he's like i want a backpack but i don't really want black because we're usually out in the sun so we're sweating and i said i'll give you my backpack because i'm looking for a different one so that's kind of how that one started, but I think even that one, that Condor one, was like forty bucks, and I just got that at our local. Um, uh, it's called Redwood Trading Post here in Redwood City. It's it's exactly what it said. It's like a, it's a military surplus style store. They sell all camping gear, and Dude, I mean that's I love honestly those places so much. That's honestly where I get a lot of my stuff for what I do. Yeah, uh, whether it's camping, RCing, work. I you know that I love that store, because um, they always have like really cool gadgets and gizmos or whatever, even stuff that you know you wouldn't even really think of because 
they also have like a backpacking section. So like the people that actually backpack, you know, so they have smaller stuff or stuff that's com- you know compact, uh, compactable and convertible, and you know turns into different stuff. So like they have, I think they have a seat that I almost got one time. It's like a three-legged seat, but when it folds up, it's like no bigger than a rolled-up umbrella, and you could like stick it in one little pocket in your backpack. Oh wow. So yeah, I thought about you know I thought I'd get something like that just so you had something, but yeah. I said yeah. M- most of the time on the trail, I'm not trying to sit down. Yeah, it's more like true. when you get back when you get back to camp. I can but, always but, find like a log or a rock or something. Occasionally, it'll be covered in pitcher ants, but usually I do <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dude, these dirty rotten. So that the backpack that I've got, they've updated it since figures. Uh huh. So it's got way better zipper pulls on it. You can actually fit like a gloved finger through to open, which is really smart. It's got like a rubber U, and then the cord runs through it all. Super cool looking, but the re- and this is so stupid. So you want to know why I want the new one so bad? Like way more than anything functional, you know, like the zipper pulls. This one has mm-hmm. a ton of Velcro all over the back of it. So like patch city on this thing like the whole top part has got uh velcro on it before it has the smaller outside compartment bag um there's like the outer pouch and it's got like four strips of velcro on it and then the area above that which in the video um that's where i had like my tools and my spare batteries and stuff so it would be the main portion of the backpack that whole part is like a probably four or five inch strip of velcro it looks like Oh, nice. I'm pissed. That thing's rad. And they have the awesome coyote tan, too, which looks sick. Yeah, I don't know what it is with that tan. That's like, it's something about that tan I really like. Because it looks rad. I mean, I I went black with my backpack, but, I mean, the tan is another, you know, good option. I really like that tan. Dude, you're gonna have to check this out. Um when you get a chance and look at their site because I'm finding all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, they've got, I mean, stuff that you would usually see, you know, like little holster pouches and ammo ones and stuff, but there's like all kinds of things that fasten to them, you know, with the molly webbing and stuff. But these guys have, I mean, like everything from gun scabbards to like super nice, like molded foam area backpacks, you know, where it makes contact with your back with like air channels running through it and stuff. I mean, some of the stuff on here is no joke. They have a three liter hydration pouch for twenty bucks. Yeah, well, you know, we should probably put the put those links up on uh, on our Facebook and stuff. So yeah, that way people, for sure. There's so much you know, good wanting, stuff here. Yeah. So for people that also want to build a trail backpack, they can kind of do so. Dude, there's one that they have. This is funny. I mean, I know people are probably going, what the hell, when they listen to this. But there's one that they have on here that isn't a whole lot bigger than a hydration pouch. But it has, it's super low profile and has a bunch of pockets and stuff built into it. So it's, like, a really awesome, like, that would be, like, the perfect one for Scale Ultra or something. Because it's so compact, but yet has a lot of storage and stuff. You know, yeah, true. You know, the other thing that I've seen a lot of people use for the Scale Ultra is, um, like, I know Gene Boyd started doing this. Uh, he wears a chest rig. Oh, yeah. Ty and I have those, too. For the, Like, Ty had one the first year at Axial Fest. I was like, that's so brilliant. I mean, the mag pouches, you can slide stick pack batteries in. And, yep. I mean, super cool. So I bought one, but the problem is, like, it doesn't breathe super good, so I don't wear it all the time. But that is a very convenient thing, and it saves your back a lot too. If you just, oh, yeah. you know, 
if everybody you don't mind looking like you're wannabe Navy SEAL out with your little trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they are cool and they're really you know, they serve a purpose and they're really functional. I'll be honest, I kind of think that is kind of cool. Like, you know, that, that gives it, you know, who else doesn't want to look cool out on the trail, you know? So right, it gives you a little yeah. more, you know. Absolutely. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's so many innovative ways to, like, carry stuff out there. and um, Yeah, so, I mean, setting up backpacks properly is a good way. Um, and I'll go over this more in my video, but, I mean, the, you know, most of my stuff I carry in the backpack is pretty much – excuse me, trail fixes, um, anything more catastrophic, I will go back to the truck and do yeah, where I can actually stand there on, at the tailgate and work on it. Right. And if it's, and if it's, uh, you know, for lack of better terms, if it's foobard, then I'll just take it back to the shop and I'll fix it later. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny so, why we're on the subject of like camping and stuff like that and hiking. I can't remember if I told you about this or not. Um, so I've, a couple guys from the club, uh, the guy that's been helping me this year run everything, uh, Jared Blue, and he, he thought of this the other day. So we were talking about, like, you know, because where we go crawling and stuff is, like, at parks, and there's big, like, mm -hmm. these monolithic rock formations and stuff, just big, huge slabs everywhere. But there's not a lot of, like, distance. I mean, granted, they're pretty good-sized areas, and, you know, you can spend a day out there, but, like there's still something fun about going out and doing trails, you know, like just logging in the miles. And when you get done, like you really feel like you did something with yourself that day, you know, like it's kind of fun to go and like, you know, tucker yourself out for an entire day. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a good time and you're actually getting some exercise. But so we were talking about how all of us are like, man, you know, I really want to do another trail run or something. Well, there's a place up here that's called uh, Mount Loop Highway, and there's just some amazing hiking trails and stuff there. And what Jared suggested is that, you know, however many of us go, three, four, you know, whoever we can talk into going, because it's going to be a lot of walking, but pack um, those hammock tents, you know, that you just string mm -hmm. up between the trees, and you can get them really cheap. I mean for like 20 bucks, you know, I mean, they're probably not something that's going to last you more than a season, but for just gauging out some, something like this to see if you like it and not spend a lot of money, I think that'd be the way to go. But we want to hike in somewhere and like make it like an overnight trip. That'd be cool. Thought that'd be kind of fun, you know, like cook and everything, carry it all with us, go hike in, string up the little hat excuse me, string up the little hammock tents and then, you know, crawl around the next day or whatever you're going to do and then go home. So that that's something that we've been kind of wanting to do is like an actual like backpacking overnight RC adventure. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That's it's that's a little bit of a step farther than <clears throat> what we typically used to do at Rubicon. Um, we haven't, I mean, I don't even think they're really... Unfortunately, really, since CKRC closed, there hasn't been anybody to step up and take over the scale on the con um, event. For uh, so every year on what is that? So Memorial Day just passed. Labor Day on Labor Day weekend, um, uh, the Rubicon Trail Foundation has an event called Cantina for the Con, and basically, the whole uh, Rubicon Trail Foundation team gets together and they kind of make this big uh, like almost like a base camp uh they have a couple vendors um and then 
a handful of them take their time and donate and they sit there and they make street style tacos and oh. you could buy tacos and chips and salsa and all the money raised goes directly to the Rubicon Trail Foundation. So it goes to maintaining the trails, um, grooming the trails, you know, fixing anything that needs to be done. And uh, if, you know, if you've never been to the Rubicon Trails in Northern California, um, there's no cell reception. And the closest store is like 50 miles away. So you really have to pack all your stuff in. And of course, so what are you doing that night? So you're you're straight up camping. I mean, it's not like it's not like Cisco, you yeah. know, Cisco Grove where you can park an RV and you got hookups and cell reception and everything. And there's a store in case you forgot something. This is more like wilderness and you know, you got to have a tent. You're sleeping on granite slabs, you know. It's it's cool. It's a lot of fun, um, but it's very similar. Like I said, you're going like a step above because you're actually going to have to walk in. We can actually drive your four-wheel drive into Rubicon because um, uh, we used to meet up at uh, – what is that? Little Sluice um, is where they always set up – I think that was – or no, the spillway. They always set up everything at the spillway, <clears throat> and we'd meet up there right off the Loon Lake Dam. Um, right by the iconic Rubicon trail sign. We come down there and we'd kind of go off and park right there on the slabs, try to find the flattest area. And we'd park all the trucks, get all the tents set up. And then we'd go out and we'd hit the Rubicon trail with our scalers. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'd really like to do that again. Um, get something going, you know, but it really comes down to time and weather permitting because in the winter it snows there and in the summer it's almost like going to the desert oh, I bet. you can we can be on this granite slabs it'll be like 85 90 degrees and there's not a lot of shade so you're like in the sun the uh, whole day yeah. and then as soon as the sun goes down it drops to like 65 degrees oh wow so you're like going from extreme one because I remember because <laughs> I'll never forget the first year that I did that um, I want to say it was around 2015 and oh my god so I set up my little tent that night it was so windy <laughs> I thought I was going to blow away with my tent that sucks I mean, it was howling, and you were just like, oh, my God. It was, like, freezing. And then the next year, it was beautiful. So me and Elio had the bright idea, hey, we're just going to sleep on top of our cots with sleeping bags. Oh, yeah. No. We still froze our butts off. Oh, that, that <laughs> um, sucks. <laughs> so then the final year we did it, we did the same thing again. We said, okay, we'll just sleep on the cots. But this time um, – we brought, or I brought two sleeping bags. I brought my winter sleeping bag and my spring sleeping bag, and I climbed up my spring sleeping bag and then hopped into my winter sleeping bag and then passed out. So uh, <laughs> that was that was that was a lot better than the year before. Um, but it still gets pretty cold. So like, I actually sleep with a mummy bag and then climb into the other bag because it keeps me more comfortable mm -hmm. versus you know not having your head covered and just the wind blowing on it all night right yeah so but yeah no it's good times so so what, um 
that was Good. the cantina and the con that was like a kind of a joint rc and yes it was a joint rc and real um uh event so it's a real event so the other cool thing about that too is like if you're somebody who loves the full-size vehicles there's so many people there you you could literally sit and watch the people enter the trail and you could see all different levels of jeeps uh, different levels of pickup trucks um buggies i mean like just full-on tube crawlers like i mean there's there's so many different vehicles so um you get to watch that and then the cool thing was at least when jason was running it uh he actually collected a driver fee uh, and it wasn't much i want to say it was like five or ten bucks um and the money he, that he collected he'd also give to the rubicon trail foundation oh that's awesome that's really cool. so yeah so it was like a win-win um plus like i said the tacos are bomb Oh yeah, um, I bet. It's a dollar a taco, so I used to get, I used to get, and they call them, they call them packs. You can get a four pack, six pack, eight pack, or a twelve pack. I usually used to get like an eight pack. Oh, I and <laughs> oh, yum! They're awesome. They're awesome. But yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're in the area and you still want to go, you know, and there's not really going to be an RC thing related to it, but if you still want to go, it's every. Um, it's every Labor Day weekend. Oh, okay. Did, so, is Fire and Ice no longer a thing either? So, Fire and Ice, I don't believe is happening anymore due to the fact that nobody really has a... Um, I guess nobody really has a means to pulling a permit. I guess you can say um, the, the group, Team MRB that puts it on um the the final years when they did it or i mean because i think they only did it for like three years Hmm. maybe four but um when they in the beginning when they did it uh park brian parker was involved and uh the g6 was supposed to pull the permit um then when parker wasn't involved with it anymore um Jason through CKRC would pull the permit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he pulled the permit for two years, and then obviously when he shut down, now there's nobody pulling the permit. Right. So this was the first year that nobody really knew if it was going to happen, and so I guess this year, like Manny Butler from Team uh, Donner Party Crawlers they kind of were like hey we know this is traditionally going to be when you would have fire and ice and we know there's not really an event we still plan on going out to moon rocks camping and having a good time if anybody wants to meet up with us you know we're going to be out there i think him and like six other people set you know set out to go do something and of course that weekend we had like a a huge blizzard um they it was basically unpassable to get from california to nevada um because that's the other thing too for anybody listening that doesn't know moon uh fire and ice always took place out of moon rocks um in nevada which is like 40 minutes northeast i think of sparks and reno Mm -hmm. i want to say all all i know is that we get on 395 we head out and you keep going until 
395 turns into Pyramid Lake, and you take that all the way out to you hit uh, Winnemucca Road. And then you take that all, literally all the way out in the middle of nowhere until you see this rock formation, and it says Moon Rocks. So um, it's it's out it's out in the middle of nowhere. Wow! But it's it's super cool. People do real one to one wheeling there too. But, oh really? Um, wow! Yeah. So yeah, the big thing is BLM wants you to have some sort of a permit. So right. you know because you're organizing an event. Um, so that's really what it came down to. So this year was kind of, you know, kind of a hiatus. So I don't know if it's going to happen anymore. Um, you know, a lot of people have talked about, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll call it the Fire and Ice get-together, and we'll just have a bunch of people meet up. They want to meet up. We won't actually make it an official event. But, I mean, you know, it's it's getting hard. I, I mean, I'd like, you know, people – that want to put on events you know i really do want to see them do this the right way and i understand you know some people want to put on events and they don't want to have you know have to have a cover charge right but sometimes unfortunately if you want to play by the rules by the way your local state and government wants to have you know those whatever rules and laws that are in effect um you have to pull a permit yeah so um in the permits I've heard some of them say they're about 150. Others I have heard closer to 200. Which, if you really think about it, if it's a $200 permit, and let's say you 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 estimate 80 people are going to show up, and you have the ticket set to, you know, 10 bucks, five bucks, you're more than going to cover the permit fee. Right. So, I mean, it's really not that, in my opinion big of a deal to say hey we're going to have this you know kind of a cover charge kind of thing um because unfortunately uh we had an incident uh when uh scale by chris did his get together at Folsom lake in march so i don't know if you heard about that yeah a little just a little bit yeah so we went out um to have the event and um the parks ranger uh tried to shut it down they wanted to know where where our permit was why we didn't get one and then slapped chris with a fine oh wow that sucks so which kind of and and i don't blame chris but it kind of drives him away from wanting to come back to Folsom. he's kind of like well why come back you know because the sad thing is that was this is like his fourth year doing it and or the third year and now's when they come down and say hey where's your permit you know it's like they never say anything before and you know realistically if you think about it it's fifteen dollars for a day use at Folsom Lake and he draw in like 60 70 people do the math there's yeah (laughs) it's like you know you just you just brought in that much money to your parks that you wouldn't have yet you want to hassle the people that are coming here paying to be here and you basically want to drive them out to where they say yeah we're not coming back and that's kind of what kept us there um enough of the people that were dealing with the rangers said fine we'll tell everybody to leave but you're refunding everybody their day pass and they he kind of like you know got a little you could tell he got taken back so he's like i'm not gonna kick you guys out 
but I got slapped. <laughs> I got to slap somebody with a fine. Jesus. So, yeah, it was super unnecessary. Lame. Yeah, unnecessary. I mean, like I like I, I mean I, I I get it. You know, don't take me wrong. I do get it. You got to play oh, yeah. by the rules. For sure. You yeah. know, you go, you got to respect the the rules and stuff. It's just what was frustrating was this is the third year doing it and even the year before the rangers come by and be like hey guys how's it going oh just make sure we you know that uh there's no glass bottles if you have any beverages it has to be in a plastic or aluminum can you know you can't have it in glass bottles and he was super like they were super cool yeah this year i don't know what happened and all of a sudden you know the park ranger thought he was superman and you know wanted to take on whatever (laughs) that's so so lame that sucks it's it's scary trying to organize stuff like that because i mean liability is always a concern and we're pretty fortunate here because three of the four places that we go to on a fairly regular basis are city parks and Mm -hmm. the cops had showed up one time and uh he's like hey somebody had seen you guys are gonna have an event here on facebook you guys were talking about you know, cooking hot dogs or something, um, not going to be able to do that because there's no open fire, you know, there's a burn ban in effect. And so, like, super cool guy. And he's like, so is this something you guys do normally? And so, you know, since I kind of run things with the club, I was the one to talk to him. And so I was like, well, you know, yeah, a couple times a month we try and get together and come up here and do a little impromptu comps and stuff. And we, you know, we don't charge any kind of an you know entry fee or anything like that it's all free and you know like and so uh he was like oh that's cool he said yeah you know if you guys are ever going to have something bigger and there's like let's say more than like 25 people just be sure to give us a call first it's like right on cool thanks man like just the coolest guy ever so we got really lucky with that we've been really fortunate and i'm hoping that because we don't charge an entry fee that there's no need for insurance or a permit or anything like that so we'll we'll see what happens i don't know we've we've been lucky for the last four years and knock on wood you know hopefully continue to be so but while we're talking about events i need some help here and not just from you but the listeners too i kind of want like everybody's help so i'll explain what's going on so i you've heard me talk about diehard rc park in the past, that's mm-hmm. the place with the turf track and drone track and it, or drone racing and stuff. So we're, we've kind of been in a process. Um, one guy has done most of the work, this guy, Jeremy Kim, who's really busted his rear building all this. And he was work. what was really cool about him is he was doing all this before he even owned a crawler. So that tells you what kind of cool guy he is. You know, like that's super awesome that, you know, somebody put forth the effort to do something like that. So we're going to try and establish a system of trails out there too, because most of the property is lined with trees and, you know, just kind of some light forest. And part of it is up against a huge embankment where a railway is built up. So there's like a big hillside and at the top of it is where the train tracks are. So what they're wanting to do over 4th of July weekend is they're having a camp out there. There's going to be drone racing. There's going to be uh, RC airplanes with like stunt, stunt planes and stuff you know the 3d flying um they'll be racing on the turf track and we're going to be doing some crawling and what we're trying to do is organize teams 
to put together a section of trail. So each team will have a uh, will have a bunch of materials there, like wood, rocks, some broken concrete. Like the guy, um, the husband and wife that run the place, uh, the husband Brett. I was talking to him, and he said that he's been having rocks delivered and all kinds of stuff going on. Um, he's got lumber, bunch of stuff. So we're gonna have some piles for materials for team for the teams to pull materials from. And we'll have, you know, dr- drills, screw guns, power tools, you know, a bunch of stuff there so that people can make bridges or they can, you know, make teeter-totters, ladders, whatever they want to do. So mm-hmm. we're going to have each team be responsible for a section of trail. And each section of trail will have like a little like national forest sign, you know, and then like a sign underneath and each trail system will be named after the team that did it so let's say your team is like the creepy crawlers or whatever so you you and your three or four people on your team clear out this area and build in trails and whatever features you want you know like there's kind of really no limits to what you can do or build so three or four teams that do that you'll get a section of trail named after each team which is kind of a cool little thing and then at the end of it, everybody will vote on which trail they like the best, and that team will win some some prizes and stuff, some giveaway items. So <laughs> I've, I've been – the fourth is kind of sneaking up on us pretty quick here. And so um, I was talking with Brett. I was texting him uh, at the start of the show and was like, hey, we got to figure out, like, how to sign up and how to get these teams established and stuff. So the first thing, you know, he said, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to make a Facebook event specifically for this. So I need to try and figure out, like, I what it, – it's really dumb that there's, like, animosity between clubs and groups here because it's just goofy. But what would have been really neat is if each club – would have been responsible for you know each local club responsible for a section and trail but i can't mm-hmm. i can't really see that happening so we've got to organize some teams and stuff and i'm trying to think of a way to get people excited about it get people signed up and picking a team name and really kind of getting the ball rolling with this thing so well have you th- have you thought about some sort of like i don't know like you know an award system kind of like hey like voted best trail or voted most challenging and that way they are actually working towards getting something like you know to kind of be proud about you know Mm -hmm. or well it'd be it'd be named after them and then the winning team that gets like you know the the trail section that gets the most votes that winning team we're trying to have some sort of prizes so that's you know like incentive based to put together the best trail that you can obviously so that's kind of what we're trying to come up with is a clever way to do that and it's a lot harder than it sounds yeah really just having the incentive is probably all i can think of that really like you know um unless you really just have the love of wanting to do something um yeah i know right like i mean i already know i'm going to be helping with it because that's just how i roll like you know i i want to help out with it and i want it to be a successful thing because you know it's it's a cool location and they're neat people and you know we just want to put together something fun there for everybody so see how it goes but if if there's anybody out there who has any ideas or anyone that is a uh 
even like a you know is in the rc industry and they're wanting to contribute any kind of like you know prizes for this event or anything like that you know we can absolutely be, be sure that you're going to get your name out there and you know we'll cover some of it on video and stuff too and i mean i i want to make like you know do as much of it as i can to make it like a cool like production you know like an actual like fun event type thing so um but yeah if anybody has suggestions or prizes they want to try and kick down or if you live in the seattle area or even you know within driving distance of seattle this may be something that you guys want to do over the fourth um there's going to be food there's going to be a live band it's going to be a fun pretty fun weekend awesome yeah you uh post that up um that'd be cool i, so, I, I wish so. there was I wish there was more. There's a couple more things going on like that, kind of like in my neck of the woods. Yeah. So it's it's just hard, like trying to coordinate and trying to get people to do stuff. Like getting help is always kind of the hard part. And these guys, like they actually on the racing side of things, they have a pretty solid team of people that show up and help put together the track and tear it down in the winter time when it's indoors. Because mm -hmm. instead of turf, it's carpet indoors, and so we go racing on that. And so they've they've got like this core like support supportive group of people, and some of those guys are that are you know diehard racers and stuff. They're actually like getting crawlers and getting involved, you know. Especially some of the AE guys. Like I know a couple of AE racers that are buying the enduro just because of the fact that Associated makes it and it's cool and that's another associated rig that they can get and have fun with so there's going to be a lot of first timers out there too over that weekend that's going to be kind of neat so oh yeah i don't know we'll see how it goes i just you know sometimes you have so much on your plate with like work and other stuff and this is one of those things that like i want to make sure that i devote the time to it that it deserves and i'm just there's some of this stuff like as far as like trying to get the teams established and get people signed up i'm just drawing a blank with how to get people fired up and enthused about it so i don't know i guess first steps first is get the facebook event up and then kind of take it from there i suppose you know yeah yeah i say we just just push it um and hopefully uh you can get some people involved that want to go do it um like i said i think it's totally cool um you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Proline by the Fire kind of did the same thing. You know, there's a lot of people showing up, um, you know, helping to set trail and make stuff. I mean, even even Sean was saying last week, you know, how he went down for like almost a month straight just setting up trail, making sure everything was ready to go. And he would take any help that, you know, wanted to help. So, um, yeah. Um, incentive base and push it as i get is really my only recommendation or any kind of like insight i can think of right no i hear you that'll be interesting we'll see how it goes so i hope it's a good turnout because you know uh sounds like a lot of fun should be it's i i'm gonna it'll it sucks that it's already almost july and that's gonna be like my first time camping this year yeah it's okay um I haven't really done any camping, and I probably won't this summer. I don't think so. I like going in the fall just because there's not as many people around. Like, I, I can handle the cold. Like, what I don't like is, like, extreme heat and wind. Like, wind sucks. Wind ruins all kinds oh, yeah. of fun. So. Oh, yeah. No. No, wind, like, for instance, like, I could 
like honestly i can handle rain better than i can wind dude travis and i were talking about that same thing the other day like and it sounds ridiculous when you say it but like we were sitting there and he goes god wind pisses me off i was like and i was kind of like dude you're right you know i mean it it's there's something about it like for one it's like i don't like all my crap blowing everywhere you know when i'm trying to work on stuff or you know you have it it's almost I don't know, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. It's almost like fatiguing after a while, like having like your hair blowing in your eyes and crap or like, you know, like it just, it gets old really quick, you know? It, it's that and it's like, and the wind chill factor, like if it's even like on a cold thing is worse than if it's like, you know, raining or snowing. Right. Like, At least it's cold the, for a reason then, you know? I mean, it's like. Yeah. Because like that happened, um at the last fire and ice that we were there and there was snow on the ground and then the morning it started out with a light you know light dusting so we're like oh you know today's not gonna be that bad because when the snow is just falling you know and it's like really light it's really not that bad all of a sudden the snow stopped and the gusts showed up and you're just like okay today just went from like cool to miserable oh so lame like that and that night race we did was that way too it was like all of a sudden it just gets super windy out of nowhere and you're fine in a t-shirt one second and then the wind picks up and you're freezing then the wind goes away and then you're too hot like it was just dumb it was a stupid problem to have yeah no it is yeah and i and like you said it all comes down to everything it's just like you know stuff's blowing around you can't get comfortable stuff's hitting you in the face and it's just like yeah yeah it just sucks it's not or at least fun. at least like raining you put on a hat and a hoodie and yeah there's you know there's a lot i'll put up with to drive rc cars you know i mean like we've been out when it's really cold or when it's snowing and stuff and you know it's pretty hard to like not have a fun day but when it gets windy like that it's just gnarly like that mount erie the place that i post the mm. pictures of that has like the lake down low underneath it you know where we're like up on that mountainside that place in the winter time is so gnarly because you'll have snow and then there'll be like 40 50 mile an hour gusts up there and you're just dying it's not very fun yeah which will probably be good for places like die hard that you know you can go and It'll be a little more mellow, at least, and kind of sheltered, you know, somewhat. But oh, you know what? Why I was thinking of this? King Crawlers is closing. Really? Yeah. That's a shame. Super bummed about that. How, did Did they say how come? No, I didn't see any details, and it's it's one of those things where I didn't want to ask because like everybody's probably asking, and they're probably super tired of having to answer it but i it just you know it's a bummer to see anybody try as hard as they did and really put forth the effort of doing something right and then having to close the doors like that just i don't know it's just a bummer i was really sad to see that because it was a neat group of people there so rest in peace king crawlers we will keep you in our memories and our facebook photos for the rest of our lives yeah, it's all it's always a shame. Um, you know, I I've been around a handful of you know some small shops closing, big shops closing, and you know it it takes a lot to run a hobby shop, and oh, yeah. that's the one thing that gets frustrating. You know, for myself 
being a small business owner, you are a small business owner. Um, it's it's frustrating, uh, it, which is like I guess the best word to use. It's frustrating when you try so hard and you just get beat out by you know bigger companies or yep. you know it's yeah it's just it's just sad. So um, yeah, yeah. Huge so. It really what it comes down to is like people need to you know it, it's fun you know and it's fine to order from you know your big box stores like you know I guess in like the hobby world you know A-Main RPP you know Tower mm-hmm. uh, Hot, uh, Horizon you know order directly from all of them it's, it's, it's fine to do so but when you can go to your local hobby shop and, and, and support the small people you know yeah you might spend an extra you know two or three dollars on your overall purchase you know or maybe a little bit more depending on how much you're buying but you know what you're supporting a shop that you know are just like you they're enthusiasts they're hobby enthusiasts they want to you know they're into this stuff just like you and you know they you know are there basically are there for you so you know go take advantage you know talk with them you know order from them and then we'll be able to keep a lot of these um local hobby shops afloat and keep them going well especially a place like that too that had like the indoor crawling course and stuff i mean down in you know the middle of seattle tacoma kent area you know i mean you're like right in the thick of big city life and if it's a rainy day or something you could just cruise down there and for five bucks drive on their course for the afternoon it's it's just super lame that you know now people don't have that option anymore so yeah it's kind of like um that hobby shop that i go to um here um where i live uh down in san jose uh jj customs when he first got into this um because he's really only been in a concrete hobby store for the last i want to say about a, a year maybe a little over a year and um at first he just was like reaching for the stars he wanted this he wanted to do that and you know after just seeing what happened with ckrc i was kind of like you know look dude i love what you're doing i love that you know you want to do all this you need to you need to take it back a notch or two otherwise yeah, you won't yourself be, you, won't, you won't be around to get to that point right and um and he saw it and he uh and and he says it you know like the last time i was there he goes oh, i just want to thank you so much for for being one of those you know few people that said hey dude be careful don't yeah. do this you know be smart about it because you know you you bite off more than you can chew and sometimes it could be you know it could be in that situation life or death for your company so um i think he'll get there i I have i have strong you know beliefs that that jason will be able to get you know jj customs to where he wants it to be um it's just really you know uh getting the footwork um, or in laying the foundation to keep it going, yeah. Um, and he's doing, and he's already doing a great job with that. I mean, I think you saw it the other was it last week? He had a post about uh, he was doing a little barbecue, come down, run the the little indoor course, you know, you know, grab yeah, a hot that was dog. Awesome, and, that was really so, cool to see. Yeah, I think it's cool when you got little shops like that that are you know that want to do stuff like that, kind of like what you're saying. Um, 
uh, I already drew a blank on what the name was. The one with the that's going to have the courses. Oh, and the, Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like that. You know, they're going to have food, and you know, it's going to be a little bit more than just RC. And I always think that's cool because you know, it'll get more family orientated people there because you know, face it, not everybody in the family wants to run RC cars. Yeah. So if they can go hang out, enjoy food and music. It's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of funny so. too because, like, Brett's wife Brenda, she um, she doesn't have much real interest in like racing or anything. Um, she does a lot with uh, like the STEM programs that they're a part of and stuff, and she's really like actively involved in the community. But she she has a, a I think it's a D. DGI that she flies around and does a lot of photography stuff with and that's kind of been the extent of her RC experience but as soon as like the crawler thing as soon as people started talking about it she got interested and started looking at stuff and like that totally fit her she's like this is you know this is for me like you know just slow your own pace there's no stress you're not you know having everybody watching you like when you're racing or anything and it's just slow and enjoyable and you time you know and so that was really cool that you know she gravitated to the crawler thing so it's probably just a matter of time before brett's involved too and then pretty soon everybody will be into it so i think it'll be cool it's a neat way that you know i, I can see this hobby is going to expand in this area because of it because there's going to be a lot of even more racers getting involved in it than there already was so oh yeah that should be pretty cool awesome yeah um we just need more people, you know, stepping up to the plate, wanting to put on a couple more events, because um, I've noticed, unfortunately, we actually had another local guy who kind of, he, he started out strong when I was, you know, just getting into the RC game. He was just starting his little um, event series, the Scale Enduros, um, GSRCC, Golden State, RC Crawlers. Um he was he was running these little enduro um, events one a month and he went into a little bit of a hiatus basically because you know like everything uh, people's politics got involved with you know how, how they felt the event was run or not run or how they would do it better and mm -hmm. you know enough of you know the bantering and they you know say fine then you know what am I doing this for? Yeah. So he went into a little he went into a little hiatus, and then all of a sudden this year, it popped back up. All of a sudden, he, without really making a big announcement, people were talking about, "Hey, GSRCC has a scale endurance. Like, is this real? Like, this like what's going on?" <laughs> and he brought it back, and he was going good for a couple months, and then he just made an announcement that he had to cancel the last two that he was going to do. Um, and he said it was due to health reasons, um, so I'm hoping all is well with him. Um, but I'm also wondering if it has to do with something with, you know, the basically getting the kind of the same feedback again i wonder if enough people weren't showing up to support it or if enough pe or if people were kind of going eh, i would have done it this way you know i'm just hoping you know that it wasn't for anything like that because you know we need people supporting these little events and stuff so you have something to go do yeah so for sure. 
because realistically, if you think about it, there's only like a handful of really big events throughout the year, and it's all the little ones that make you know that keep it afloat. Yeah, they give you um, something to do in the meantime for all the in betweens. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think we've we've uh, we've uh, preached it enough. It's just you know positivity and uh, uh, supporting supporting you know your local hobby shop, your um, your local track, your local crawling spots. You know whatever it is, just you know have some respect and empathy, and uh, I think we'll be fine. Very well put. Very so, well put. Well, should we should we end there before I say something to ruin it? What would you say that could ruin it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'll think of something, but probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was just about to ask you, how are we doing on our time? We're right in at an hour and a half, so. Perfect. We are there. So, yes, we are there, and we are still square. Yes, and next time we will have a guest. Um, our guest that we were hoping to have this time had to watch his children. So, um, thanks a lot. No, <laughs> really hey, appreciate that. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what? Some people, you know, it's true. Some people, you know, they have to adult, and sometimes oh, yeah. adulting adulting <laughs> sucks. But you know, yeah. But to have kids, I mean. Don't don't have kids. <laughs> don't have kids. Uh, it, it eats into RC stuff. Just don't even start with them. <laughs> All right, there. Uh, now I've ruined it. So no, you didn't ruin it. All right. So well, everybody. But, um, yeah, another fun another fun week. Uh, I hope everything we were talking about kind of you know. Um, resonates with people uh i know i have a video to work on now um and that's about it continue getting rigs ready for axial fest uh and uh, we're trying to engage with you guys a little bit more if you guys have more um topics and suggestions to talk about online um you know get a hold of us send us uh you know send us a direct message send us a message on facebook instagram uh for those of you who don't know we are on instagram now too so you can follow us there um and you know or if if you have anything you'd like to say just you know put it out there we always take notes and write down and screenshot what you know people have said throughout the week so if you have something to say that you'd like brought up we can always bring it up i think it'd be kind of cool yeah really? uh, to get I'd really like to get like the correspondent thing rolling, you know, if there's people out there that are willing to do that, because like, you know, like Adam's saying, let us know what's going on in your guys's area. You know, if there's, if you're a new business or a new company and you've got a new product, let us know if there's events out there that you want coverage or talked about, let us know if there's somebody that, you know, is doing a heck of a job to try and promote the hobby and make it a more fun place for everybody to be and you want to give them like you know a thank you over there or something then you know let us know let's you know we'd like to like adam said we want to be involved with you guys and engage with you and everybody kind of work together to grow this hobby and you know take it in a direction that's fun for everybody yeah and then that way also maybe it'll 
spark a little more interest because I know, I mean, I don't know, you guys tell us, how fun is it listening to two guys talk about the same geography over and over and over and over again? Exactly. But, you know, unfortunately, that's all we that's all we have to go on. Uh, all I have is my area and what's going on immediately around me and Jeremy's got the same thing. Whatever's immediately going on around him, that's all we really know. So yeah, I think that correspondent thing's, you know, really cool and, uh, you know, and then maybe work it in so if they have something that's totally breaking or whatever, you know, get them on the, you know, get them on the podcast and they can talk about it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, We're not biased. I mean, it's like, yeah, we have like our own individual sponsors and stuff like that. But I mean, as far as the show goes, it's neutral territory. So I mean, any of you guys out there that, you know, have a product that you want to talk about or a story you want to talk about or whatever, you know, hit us up. We can't always promise that it'll fit right away, you know, in with what we're doing and mm-hmm. maybe something that we have to work in in the future. But reach out to us and, you know, we'll do what we can to try and, you know, create awareness for whatever whatever it is that, it is that you're trying to do. So Exactly. So... All right, guys, I think with that note, um, have a great one. If you're hitting the trails this weekend, have a fun, safe time. Post them up. Um, and maybe that's another thing to get people uh, or to get our attention. If you uh, post something on social media and you want us to see it, hashtag ThatScaleRC Show. And uh, we'll probably start finding some really cool pictures and seeing what everybody else is doing. Um I'm drawing a blank. Or even post stuff to our Facebook page wall. You know, when you guys go do something during the week, you know, during the weekend, post up the pictures of what you guys did. We want to see them. You know, like we're we're absolutely interested in what all you guys are doing and see the areas that you get to go enjoy. So, yeah. We're scale scale nerds, people. Yes. We like to just see scale nerd stuff. Yes. More of it, please. So, So, so with that one... Uh, We will see you guys next week. Um, Have fun and be safe. All right. Later, guys.